This is Comic Geek Speak, episode Christman. I'm Shane Kelly. I'm Adam Murdo. And I'm Chris Everly. And welcome to the show. It's been a while, so we've had us all on the line. Mm-hmm. I had a little time away from the show. Yay! Hey, there's a little red button here at the bottom of the screen. Uh-huh. Does that, if I hit that, does that disconnect any? <laughs> Looking at Chris as he's I, dancing oh, around. Yeah. <laughs> that is that disconnect anybody clicks. Yes, I am just happy to see Chris's jubilant gyrations on the screen again because it means that the internet well for one thing I just like to to see and hear Chris <laughs> unmarred by uh, Ju- jubilant gyrations in service but yeah it it just shows that everything is where it needs to be and everyone is where they need to be. The internet is working and Chris is using it to uh, commune long distance with us again and I for one am thrilled. Here here brother I I did those gyrations for you. <laughs> well, let's not jinx it, but let's just let's, let's go. Yeah, on. you did. It's true. The night is young. <laughs> I did it. All right. So, again, these comic talks are all over the place stuff. I have some topics. I'm sure you guys have some topics. But before we get into the fun and frivolity, first, a word from our sponsor. <laughs> this episode of a Comic Geek Speak is brought to you by the Denver Independent Comics and Art Expo, otherwise known as DINK. Happening April 14th and 15th this year at the, let me get the actual address here, the McNichols <laughs> Civic Center in Denver, Colorado. This is, an, obviously, an independent convention with a lot of independent creators and artists. Uh, also brought to you and sort of run by our good friend, Charlie LaGreca, better known as Charlito. Mm-hmm. Of the Indie Spinner Rack Podcast. Yes. Hello, Charlito. Yes. And they've got quite a guest list already masked for their uh, featured guests, including, but not limited to, Danielle Corsetto. Hey, hey. Yes. Gerhard. Mm. Do you know who he, he's from? I've, I recognize the name, but... Uh... That's, that's Cerebus, that's isn't it? That's correct, mm. yes. Nice. Uh, of course, also Jeff Lemire, James O'Barr from The Crow, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Brown, Jim Mafood, Joe Kelly, a lot of J's there, uh, and <laughs> Matt Kent. Wow! So check that out, and also they I don't want us to mention they do have something coming up called the Dinky Awards. Right now, they have a call out to all artists and independent publishers to submit for the Central West's only comic and art awards, the 2018 Dinky Awards. It was launched three years ago as part of the Denver Independent Comic and Art Expo, also known as Dink. Uh, the Dinkies were the first ever Colorado awards to feature comics. And, of course, created in part by Charlie LaGreca, the innovator and co-founder of both Denver Comic Con and Dink, and Ted Intorico, publisher of award-winning Tinto Press. The Dinkies are a way to recognize excellence, promote independent art, and create a level playing field in which work is judged for its merits, not the strength of its marketing campaign. The goal of Dinkies is to not only support inspire and create a sense of encouragement among the world's wide <laughs> I'm sorry among the worldwide community of independent creators cartoonists artists and publishers but also to serve to connect great work 
to a wider intended audience. And the Dinkies feature over 10 diverse categories and an unforgettable award ceremony with celebrity host, Drunk Vanna White. <laughs> uh, the submission deadline is coming very soon. So to submit your comic, graphic novel, or zine today, or to see previous winners, go to dinkdenver.com. Now, the work must be published between December 1st, 2016, and the 31st of December, 2017. Uh, this is hand-casted, handcrafted, and custom-designed all for the love of comics. DinkDenver.com. So, there you go. All right. Well, let's first, before we get too far away, I don't want to forget, we also have, we have some, you mentioned last time, Martin, you had some uh, mail in the studio. You did open some of the mail. Some of it, yes. But this comes to us from Johnny McCloskey. And he has a little <laughs> something for each of us. You as well, Chris. I will, ah. I will pass one to Shane. Mm -hmm. I will pass one to Demurred. Face down. And I will read what Chris we have for you. I don't know if he... Is, is, is the camera on? Probably not. Um, probably not. Don't worry about uh, it. We could turn it on. That's uh, okay. Chris, we have for you a 1 in 25 variant by Trevor Von Eden of Power Man and Iron Fist number 1. Nice. Ooh. Wonderful. Thank nice. you. What a wonderful gift. That's nice. So we'll get that for you. Shane, reveal. <laughs> oh, I have a Justice League of America number 217. Awesome cover. Awesome George Perez cover. Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I think they have a T-shirt of that out, They too. do. That's, that's one of the very popular T-shirt designs. Yeah. Very iconic cover. Fantastic. And I love the bag and board that it's Mylar, in. Mylar, baby. Mm -hmm. Mylar. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. It's a classic League lineup on that cover, too. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this felt kind of like... Uh, it didn't contain an actual comic, and it doesn't. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I don't uh, – you know what? I think it's an Andy Price sketch. It is. Yep. It's it's, it's, a, it's a, a little uh, rectangular piece of paper. It's a bizarro pony, and Andy, like so <laughs> many other artists, can't remember that bizarro contains one Z and two R's, but we'll forgive him for that. It's a bizarro pony, and uh, he is saying, Me am hate my little pony. <laughs> because Johnny mentioned before to me that he had a sketch for murder, wouldn't where to send it to it, so that is the sketch. <laughs> would it would it be also Hain Hain instead of Nay Nay? Um, oh, no, you think too much here, Shane. <laughs> and I have wow, this is this is amazing. This is a I would say a good slash very good copy of Superboy number seventy eight wow. from wow. the Silver Age, uh, which featuring a couple of stories including Claire Kent. Alias Super Sister also has the origin of Superboy's super costume, as well as the Ghost of Jor El story featuring the origin of Mix's Pitlick. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Damn, that's Oof. good comics. Look at those three stories here, all in Silver one. Silver Age Splendor. There's also a Casey the, Casey the Cop strip inside of there as well. <laughs> Casey the Cop. And this is actually, I do not have this issue because I have, I have a little bit of Superboy in the Silver Age. but So this is very, very much appreciated. I'll Thank tell you, you what. very much, Johnny. It's good job, Johnny. Thank you. Tickling each Thank of our you. respective fancies. <laughs> now, Excellent. I did not open Deep. mine yet because it looks perfectly perfect in here. But <laughs> perfectly perfect. goodness, this cover looks immaculate. And the pages, just from the edges, you know, usually on an, on an older book, even like this, the, the, the top's a little bit yellowed or something. But, man, it just looks gorgeous. Wow. Well, you have to at least smell the comic at some point, Shane. Well, I will do that. 
Well, Johnny, thank you very much. We thank you, sir. Very, very thank nice. You. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm gonna just keep. Oh, I'm sorry, Shane. We're getting to the point in the weather right now where spring's just starting to show its head a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when the temperature's <coughs> just right and the humidity's just right, I walk into my comic room and <laughs> boy, does it smell like a comic store. <laughs> oh God, yes. I love spring oh, and fall for yes. that for those reasons alone. You can you can you can kind of waft it going up the stairs. You open the door. And <laughs> Boy, it just hits you like, oh, God, right. All the loose particles that have been bound up in solid matter over the winter start being yeah. effused back into the air mm. <laughs> as the temperatures rise. Yes. It happened once a little bit the other week. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to keep rolling on here. Um, I've been... uh, before you roll. Oh, uh, oh okay. Yeah, right yeah uh-huh. I probably should have gotten this closer to the sponsorship oh, announcements, actually. Yeah. I'm but, sorry, uh, I'm right ahead. Shane. Another uh, in-house announcement here yes. from uh, Comic Geek Speak. Uh, it is that time of year again for the Comic Geek Speak Best of Awards. This year, of course, being the Best of 2017 Awards, celebrating the best creators, comics, etc., that uh, our hobby had to offer in the recently concluded year of 2017. And as always, we look to you, the listeners, to help us with this process. Uh, usually, we nominate uh, different people in comics uh, across a range of 16 categories, each uh, participating host. Uh, nominates uh, something for each category, but we also need listener nominees. And so we are uh, turning that over to you folks. Uh, for full details about how you can uh, participate in uh, the Best of Awards process, uh, go to the comicforums.vanillaforums.com, go to the main page, the uh, Comic Talk community, the On Topic forum, and uh, near the top of that page you will find a thread about the Best of Awards where you can find a complete list of all 16 categories in which we are seeking nominees, Best Limited Series, Best Writer, and so forth. Um, Take a look at that. Uh, Think about what or whom you would like to nominate for uh, each of those categories, and then write them all down and uh, email them uh, to bestof at comicgeekspeak.com before 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, March 11th. Please nominate only one person or thing for each category. Uh, You know, no no ties, no two- or three-way ties, just one nominee per category. And uh, please nominate something or someone for at least eight of the 16 categories. You know, you, you, if you can't think of anybody to nominate for Best Letterer, we forgive you. But uh, please at least nominate something for half of those categories, or your ballot will be considered incomplete and invalid. So if you would like to make your voice heard in this year's Best of Awards, you have until Sunday, March 11th. That address again is bestof at comicgeekspeak.com. Vote early. Vote once. That's exactly right. <laughs> and you're more than welcome to post your picks on the form, but they will only count if they're emailed to the best of a comicgeekspeak.com email address. That is correct. Yes. I do read that thread from time to time, but I do not count anything posted there as, as an official ballot. That's correct. You are part of the uh, tabulating community, the, um, the Price Waterhouse of Comic <laughs> Geek Speak, if you will. <laughs> What's, what's that uh, law from the all the L's from Daredevil? Oh, uh, Landau, Luckman, and Lake. That's the one. <laughs> I knew you would know that. Mm-hmm. All right, rolling on. Uh, another sort of announcement kind of thing. Uh, we here at Comic Geek Speak have uh, been kicking around the idea of um, starting a Patreon page uh, because I've been told that Patreon is a new hotness. <laughs> so um, we're soliciting, I'm soliciting, um, some of what you think you'd like to see us do as, like, bonuses for contributing. Basically, Patreon is, uh, you, you can give, like, a dollar a month or two bucks a month or whatever, um, and it's it's completely 
separate from the actual Comic Geek Speak podcast. This podcast will continue to go on free forever, but we might give some bonus content for people who support the show because we could use some extra things every now and then, you know, laptops, things cost money. So mm-hmm. uh, instead of asking for donations, uh, this is actually a way to give things back to you. So what kind of, if we go through this, we probably will, what kind of things would you like to see, whether it's like exclusive episodes, um, giveaways, what have you there? Um, let us know. You can email us at comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. And I will start a forum thread on this, on the main thing about, you know, Patreon ideas. So just uh, something to throw out there. We've been toying around with it for a while. I have a lot of listeners who've come to me and said you should do a Patreon. I asked them what their ideas were, so I'm going to throw out to the rest, as I gestured, the rest of the CGS fast. wider community. Because I know a lot of other podcasts have Patreon pages. So we're probably going to go that direction. So I just wanted to throw that out there now. So there you go. Um, so, again, I'm going to keep rolling on here. I was uh, away two weeks ago. I was out in sunny, sunny, sunny Southern sure California. Los Angeles, California. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I've, I've been out to Southern California uh, the last 12, 11 out of the last 12 years, mm-hmm. at least once a year. And every time I'm at the airport, I'd say, I don't want to go home. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> stay out here because it's so wonderful out there. Although it did rain last year awfully bad. But, man, I just love going out to California. Uh, but my main goal was to go out there for the Gallifrey One Doctor Who convention, which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, <laughs> I had a free day on the Thursday before the show started, so I uh, got my butt up to Hollywood and was doing the little touristy thing walking around. Hollywood. Well, I, I ended up walking, literally walking down Hollywood Boulevard, yeah. <laughs> sort of looking with my head down, watching all the stars <laughs> on the Hollywood Walk of Fame as I'm walking by, and... Uh, I did see the Adam West star uh-huh. as I was just to turn the corner to go to the Hollywood Museum, which is one of my main goals, yep. because they had an exhibit there on the Batman 66 TV show. Just the pictures I've seen oh. online. <laughs> Those shots you put on Facebook were drool-worthy. I only yeah. put a couple on there. I know people wanted more, but it's like, it was really cool. Now, they, when the show ended... You know, I think it's it's pretty well known. The sets were like knocked oh, down, yeah, destroyed, uh, and very few of the costumes, um, original costumes, survived. And those that did really weren't taken care of very well. Um, but this exhibit managed to get pretty much what was available and put them on display. Now, did they borrow them or purchase them? I believe people? they borrowed them. Okay. I don't have the old specifics of that, but there's a lot of people out there who donated things. There's like little placards, you okay. know, by the, you know, courtesy of so-and-so. That's awesome. But they had a lot of the original costumes there, you know, for Catwoman, Riddler, of course, you know, Batman and Robin, uh, uh, a couple of the false face <laughs> costumes, one of the Mr. Freeze costumes. Oh, wow. Wow. That was nice. And then they had a, some, some other um, props, which some were Original, some I think were um, reconstructed, but they, mm-hmm. they had a Batmobile. And this is the third floor, like a Ma- the Max Factor building. The Max Factor building, you know, the way the famous um, makeup artist. Yeah. They had a Batmobile up on the third floor, wow. <laughs> for goodness sake. They had some bat poles. Oh. oh, they had all kinds of ephemera, you know, like collectible trading cards, scripts, photos. It was wow. it was a hoot and a half, Shane. Wow. I'm sorry you couldn't make it out there. That would be cool. But I just lucked out that it was... It was a very short run, I think only from January of this year, I think like till April. Yeah. I just I happened to, to catch the time right. And it was neat. And I spent about 
about two and a half hours in there because there was many other things besides the Batman exhibit in there. They had uh, some things on Marilyn Monroe. Oh. They had down in the basement a whole little like horror setup there. You could sort of like walk through the Silence of the Lambs oh. kind of like dungeon. They had like oh, some. Oh boy! Huh. I mean, I don't you know, know if I'd have done that. Well, you know, it was it was it was fine. They had you know a bunch of uh, props from like Friday the Thirteenth and some things, some wow. H- Hitchcock things down there. They 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 had other uh, uh, props from their TV shows. They had a the Beverly Hillbillies, you know. Jalopy. Jalopy with, uh, with huh. Granny Granny and Jethro and um, Ellie Mae and Grant. And, uh, I mentioned everybody there. And, and Jed and the dog all, all in the middle of the It was, I got I spent like two and a half hours in there. They had like aut- wow. autographs. They had great pictures. And it was really cool. Just to, That's cool. I know, I know it's a touristy kind of thing to do, but I, I had a free day to walk around. So I did that. It was yeah. only it was only $15 to That's get it. it. Yeah. And, uh, it was really cool. Jeez. So again, I, I was walking. I kept walking around the Hollywood Boulevard, keep up my head down, looking around. Uh, and then not too far away from there was uh, a Madame Tussauds wax museum. Yep. And I knew they had like a Marvel exhibit there with um, you know a lot of yeah, Marvel, yeah. and they had like a little three uh, D inter. I'm sorry, a four D interactive uh, movie where you sit in there and they have things on the screen and like your seat jolts, they spritz water out. It's, yep. it's, it was, it was, that was also pretty cool. Again, it, it's a touristy thing to do. Have but. you ever seen one of those before? No. I've been in the Muppets when they used to do it down at Disney and the Terminator when they used to have that mm-hmm. years ago. They're, they're fun when they do the 4D thing with all the stuff spitting at you yeah. and smells and smoke coming out at you. <laughs> the, one, the one with the Muppets had at one part Mice came off the screen and were running through the audience, supposedly. <laughs> so all these little lights started flashing, making it look like they were running past all the little um, aisle lights. Mm-hmm. But also little puffs of air kept going past you at yeah, your yeah, legs. Yeah. It, it was cool. I, lo- I love them. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Huh. What, what did you see that was the movie? Just like a hodgepodge of things? or uh, It was like an, uh, an animated thing where Tony Stark was giving a presentation, and then Doctor Doom came in, oh, wow. and the rest of the Avengers came in, Spider-Man, the Hulk, uh, Cap Thor, and you know, there's lightning, and there's things, and it was, it was pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, uh, and they could add some, some amazing wax blacknesses there of, yeah. of the Marvel heroes, yeah. and the you know, Marvel movie actors, mm, as well as yeah. many other TV and movie stars. That was pretty cool. I mean, they went back as far back as they had, um, some stuff from like... Uh, Gone with the Wind. Wow. They had, uh, like, Howard Hughes stuff. They the, had... la- the last wax museum I was in was when I was in England in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was pretty impressive. And it, it, it can only have gotten better mm-hmm. since then. Like I said, um, it was my free day to roam around Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my goal that evening was uh, I met up with uh, the Benson sisters, mm-hmm. uh, Julian, Shauna. I sort of kind of like how I invited myself to Matt's uh, Super Bowl party. <laughs> uh-huh. I kind of invited myself to, with him to go see the Black Panther movie that night when it premiered. Well, I mean, I I talked to him way back in September about it, and I reminded him when I was in D.C. I said, "Oh, we're still, I still come along to the movie." I said, "Well, you know, if we're not washing our hair that night, pants, maybe we'll go <laughs> see the movie." <laughs> but uh, so that was pretty cool, and also, uh, listener Kurt Matilla mm-hmm. uh, joined us there. Who actually, he's the one responsible. It's his fault that uh, he uh, got the Jelly Julie to listen to the show way back when. So he he was asking all kinds of questions about the show. I think I answered him mostly mm-hmm. <laughs> and honestly, but. Uh, <laughs> So that that was a fun time seeing the, the Black Panther movie in Hollywood with some geek friends. So that that was awesome. Yeah. Mm. And I actually seen it twice now. I saw it when I when I got back home here again. And you know I I can't do it any more than you guys already did talking about uh, the movie on the episode. But uh, it was just really cool seeing with other people who are yelling and clapping in the movie theater. It was a pretty packed theater. It was Thursday night showing. Wow. 
And as the movie ended and they had the, the mid-credits scene, yep. which, and then there was the over credits. I'm just, and I don't know why. I'm talking out loud. Like, hmm. What's, what's the last bonus credit thing going to be? And I realized that I had I'd watched a couple movies to get ready for this. So I saw Captain America Civil War. Yeah. And at the end of that movie, of course, we see that the Bucky is, you know, frozen in Wakanda. Yeah. And so I'm talking about it. I, I turn to Sean. I say, I bet there's going to be a thing with Bucky. And damn, there, there's Bucky on the, on the screen. So I actually, because never, I never think about these things. I, I got that one right. <laughs> and in the second viewing of it, when Shuri has that line, when Martin Freeman's character come in the Oh, oh, another, another broken white, white yeah. boy to fix? Yep. It's like, oh, that, that's why he's saying yeah. that. The kids asked me why that was. Yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. here's why. So now you finally saw it as well, Shane. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I loved it. it. It's I can't put it in my top five, but it's definitely in my top ten of the Marvel movies. Um, it, it was a lot of fun to watch. I took the kids. I wanted to go opening weekend, and that just didn't happen. And then we had... One of Ben's games for soccer canceled, and it opened up a few hours. So I went looking online for tickets all around here, and everyone was sold out mm-hmm. except for the IMAX and Reading. Oh, so you finally went down there? Well, I go down there every now and then. I saw the last um, two Star Wars movies in there on opening night oh. because of what what event we get to go to when that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually saw it in IMAX. Mm. And thinking that... Well, it was 2D, I believe, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So when you walk into the theater, you go to the right for one of the big theaters, and then you go to the left for the IMAX theater. Yeah. I thought we were going to the right to the big theater. I thought that was IMAX, not thinking exactly they what I They tell you which way it is, Shane. No, 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 no. <laughs> when I ordered the tickets online. Uh-huh. So I just ordered IMAX, thinking, okay, well, that's the big theater to the right. Either way, there's theater to the right. That's where we're going. So I know how how far that theater is spaced from the screen. So I ordered tickets in the front row of the second section. You know, after after you have, like, the first five or six, uh-huh. you have a break, uh-huh. and they have a huge <laughs> space to walk through, and then you have the first row. I've sat in that row to watch movies, and it's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. That's not where it is in an IMAX. <laughs> no, it's no, no, no. a little bit no. closer. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. And so there's, like, three, and then this <laughs> tiny little space, and then right there. So me and the boys, we all sit down and <laughs> This is what I wanted. I suppose we could have just moved back because it really was not full, Mm -hmm. which I was surprised. Everywhere else sold out. This one wasn't. But within the first couple minutes, I got used to it. The only, the the worst part about it, we must have been directly under where a speaker was blaring to the audience because that sucker was so loud. (laughs) I had such a headache when I left there just from it being loud. But it didn't detract from any enjoyment of the movie. It just my ears were ringing when I left. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> uh, but it, it was so, Sh- so Shane, what did you think of the movie in general? It was really well done. It looked beautiful. Um, loved all the casting of the characters. Um, I I didn't think Martin Freeman would be in it the way he was in it. I thought he'd be in it more like an official capacity where he's the liaison between them, but he just kind of came along once they met up and and was along for the ride then because he got hurt um that kind of surprised me a little bit but it it was still very well done it was still fantastic um i heard that the original cut was like four hours yeah god i would love to see that cut i cannot imagine what they didn't have in it that wasn't already in it like what, what else could you add to it it was pretty well done the way it was i can't think of anything else that would be another hour and 45 minutes 
that would make it better, which maybe that's why they cut it down. But still, yeah. I'd still love to see if they have that much footage for the story and they had an actual cut. I'd love to see it. They had a whole fictional nation and hundreds of thousands of uh, years of fictional history to, to go oh. through. Uh, but something tells me this movie being as successful as it was in its first couple of weeks. It was three hundred and twenty-eight million the first weekend, something or something like that. Wow! Like it's, that. It's, it's it's now grossed over seven hundred million worldwide. That's insane. Yeah, I th- there, there's going to be a market for the for that additional footage. I, hope I get so. the feeling. So we'll sign me up for it, baby. Yeah. My God, yes. I thought everyone's acting was spot on. Um, some of it I didn't see coming, and and I don't. I mean, I love watching all the trailers, but I don't sit there and try to figure out the plot by any means. I didn't necessarily think. About how Killmonger and his family fit into it when you first see the beginning. Once it happened, I'm like, oh, of course, that makes perfect sense now. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked it. I thought it was very well done. Spectacular effects. Love the, their entire city, the way it looks, the way they walk oh, through a little bit of it, man. Just beautiful. Um, I love the message through it at the end with his little UN speech. Um, I liked how he really almost wrestled with wanting to help the world, yet listening to the rest of the council say, no, 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 we don't do that. But, but he, in the end, just said, yeah, we're going to do that because now it's time. Uh, what a, what a great way to bring that character into full force into the Marvel universe. Well, if I may, cause I, I saw it a second time and I, as much as I loved it the first time, I got even more out of it with the second viewing. And I, and I think what, one of the things I like best about the movie, to piggyback on what you just said, Shane, is that we have to remember when the movie, when the movie starts, T'Challa is just becoming the king. Mm-hmm. So bearing that in mind, he wasn't necessarily like the totally the sort of omniscient Black Panther you're accustomed to because he's just starting that role essentially and i think what i really appreciate by the end of the movie <clears throat> you see him now really becoming the king of wakanda yeah. and putting his, his stamp on what that's going to mean for his nation and its interactions with the world <clears throat> and it may i, I really want to give the uh, the screenwriters the director credit because the plot device of of him really being disillusioned by what his father did i think really ultimately made that film oh yeah. um and like that's not from the comics. They just made that up for the like everything else in that movie was right from the comics. But that's the one thing they kind of added into it. And I thought it was a brilliant narrative device because again, it, it gave him a sense of, of, of turmoil and, and not sure how he should proceed. And anyway, and, and I, I love when stories sort of shake the foundations and expectations that people have in a certain you know government or world or what have you. And that's so appropriate for a Black Panther story. And they just did it masterfully. And, so and, I appreciate that even more. And that decision his father made is not – I don't want to say it was a wrong decision. That's not what I mean. It was what he thought was best for Wakanda, and that's what no, a yeah. king does. And, and I, I agree because it shows you the burden someone in that position would have to bear. Yeah. I mean to protect uh, Zori, he kills his own brother mm-hmm. um, in that split split second of decision-making. Um and so I, I didn't come away from the scene, you know, thinking T'Chak is a, a villain. It's just that he's a king and he was in this horrible position, and then that's that's what happened. But T'Challa's reaction to it, I mean, how he decided to proceed, even like you know, he, he was like the first king to go see M'Baku, right? It, like yeah. the, the the white gorilla clan, 
they, they, they just nailed it. And still then at the end, not only offering his cousin a way to survive and try to make amends, but then bringing him out to show him the sunset in Wakanda, like he said his father always would. Um, just, just a very powerful ending to that whole movie. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to our dear friend uh, Dan Kinjill in Pittsburgh because he made a comment about the movie that I didn't think about. I think he was spot on. When we talk about the character of Shuri, his sister, mm-hmm. and you know, had they kind of changed her role a bit, and I thought wonderfully for the oh, movie. Yeah. And Dan said, like, she's Queen Divine Justice from the priest run. I'm like, oh my god, Dan, you're right. <laughs> like that that's I, I just I didn't think about it until he said it, but like the way she's talking and interacting with him and like she's kind of, you know, a reverend and her humor. I'm like, oh of course. Like that they basically blended those two characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was one character that I was kind of hoping that we would get in the movie and that we ultimately didn't. But you gotta leave something for the sequel after all. Yeah. But Shuri, I mean, she kinda Sort of is that character, um, but you know, you're, you will see them, or you never know. Well, since uh, Jaka is off the table, you need somebody else to represent uh, the African American perspective in the next movie. And I, I that's think, true. Uh, Shantae yeah. Giovanni Brown, aka Queen Divine Justice, would be the perfect mouthpiece for that. So maybe we'll Indeed. see how, how she plays off of Shuri in the next movie. That's a good point. One, one thing that I, I saw later on afterwards is that the actor playing young T'Chaka mm-hmm. is actually the son of the actor who played the older T'Chaka. Nice. Oh. I love And the actor playing young Zuri is related to Forrest Whitaker. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Nice. That's really cool. Yep. So, I mean, spot on casting I with that again. absolutely love when they can pull in. Well, it's just like on Doctor Who, um, what's-her-name's cousin played the younger version of Amy Pond. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I just Karen Gillan, yeah. When, when you can do that, man, it just works. It just makes it so much more of an enjoyable experience. Mm. And if I can segue from that into Doctor Who again in Gallifrey 1, well, because I have a few things. So, again, sure. I was out there for the convention, uh, it was a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday convention. And a uh, big thank you to uh, listener Rod Hedrick, who actually uh, is my roommate out there. And he's been doing this for like like nine years. It's my fourth time out there. So I always look to him for guidance and things. And Shane, actually, I want to do it on the air so he knows I, I gave it to you. Uh, he, he had a couple of extra in his collection. No. Audio dramas oh. from Doctor Who. So I have for you oh. Tom Baker, uh, Last of oh. the Colophon, and White Ghost. I'm giving wow. to you so you have them officially on the air. So oh. thank you again, Rod. For, for I can't wait to listen to these. <laughs> That's fantastic. But yeah, the, the Gallifrey One convention, it's a Doctor Who fan-run convention. It's not-for-profit. Uh, this is their 29th convention they've wow. run of this. And it's it's pretty much, you know, limited to tickets uh, with... With, with the ticket holders, attendees, and guests, there was actually just under 4,000 people there. Wow. So it was somewhat intimate, if you will. Yeah. Uh, they have panel tracks all throughout the weekend. They have signings. You can get photos with the cast and, and crew. They've got some great, again, great panels. Um, Friday, I sat in the main panel room, which is probably holds maybe, maybe 2,000 or so it holds. And I just sort of squatted there, which you can do. And just this are the panels that I saw on on Friday. Uh, I saw David Bradley talk, of course, because he was there. He was played the first Doctor in the um, yeah. Well, also in the in the um, anniversary special. Yeah, the Space and Time. Yeah. Uh, as well as the Twice Upon a Time, he played the first Doctor in the most recent yep. uh, Doctor episode, the Christmas special. Interviewed him for an hour. Then follow that was um, Gemma Redgrave was on. Then following that was Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Allred, the Seventh Jeez. Doctor and Ace. Now, I had 
never been at a convention where I've seen Professor McCoy before. Yeah. So I, I did get a picture with him, and I did post that online. Yeah. Um, but this panel was just out of the world because it had wireless microphones. They were walking all through the audience wow. and taking questions and interacting. It was Jeez. it was hysterical. It was so much he, fun. Just a little bit I've seen online of him. He looks like he puts on a great show or panel for anybody. Yeah. That was just because you think, oh, that's good. No, they, it, there was no moderator. It was just the two of them oh. running the whole thing, and Jeez. they did a great job. A wow. picture has surfaced on Facebook of uh, Sylvester McCoy uh, walking right past your seat and you sitting there just yes. beating up at him. Yeah, yeah. That, that was taken by another shout-out, another listener, long-time listener, uh, on the forum. Notice Fade to Black. His real name is Trevor – oh, boy. How am I going to – who do you hear with this? Um, Vade, Veda Boncour? Oh, boy. V-A-D-E-B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R. pretty definitely French, and that's not exactly my specialty. <laughs> okay. And especially if it's anglicized French. It could go a number of different ways, right. but uh, he can point it out to us. Yeah, but he's a long-time listener. bunker is my guess. Long-time listener. He actually saved our episode 1000 recording oh, when we okay. lost the audio. That's right. He recorded the video because he was away. Um, he's also a zone podcast with other people about Doctor Who, Wonder Wonders in the Fourth Dimension. Hmm. But yeah, I, I was in the audience. He took a shot because he huh. was not too far away from me. So it was good to see another That's listener cool. out there. So that was very cool. Uh, but then after that panel with Sebastian McCoy and Sophie Aldred, the guest of honor, Stephen Moffat, had a panel. Oh, wow. Because he's been the showrunner for the last, uh, I think, like seven years, eight yeah. years with Doctor Who. Of course, uh, wrote a couple of the early episodes with Russell T. Davies. Um, of course, he was responsible for coupling, which I love to death. That's an awesome and situation. that, again, was another tremendous panel. He went into some detail about the 50th anniversary show, The Day of the Doctor, where how he pretty much didn't have anybody under contract when he was running the episode, no doctors. And then how he tried to get Christopher Eccleston back in, yeah. and he told a great story about that. And they opened out a bunch of great questions. A couple of the questions were kind of cheeky, but he it was such a professional and just so spot on in, in his – I mean, if you've seen him talk on the, like, the bonus episodes mm -hmm. of Doctor Who, I was so happy to actually meet him and hear him talk. It was delightful. Um, I'm looking forward to going on again next year. It's going to be their 30th uh, convention. Well, you really look at it, Shane. No, that's the 30th convention, that it's their 30th convention. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I just and any excuse to go out to Southern California, mm. <laughs> not that not that I need an excuse, but that was right. just so much fun to to see that. Well, let's see. I got some more things to talk about. If you don't have anything, I'm going to keep going. Uh, I have something to shout out, pants. Go for me. right ahead. Um, uh, just some comic news. I noticed the New York Times today that Ta Nehisi Coates is going to be taking over the writing chores on Captain America. Yes. Uh, starting this summer in July, and uh, in the Times interviewed him about. As we all know, he's been writing the, the Black Panther comic. Uh, for the past couple years and doing a fine job as far as I'm concerned. Um, and it's he's going to be – he was talking about how you know he has very mixed feelings about concepts like patriotism. He's, he's talking about, he talked about how the challenge for him is going to be not to put his words in Captain America's mouth but to have Captain America's words sort of in his head and coming through him. So I'm really interested to see how he's going to approach this character. Um, I think he's done fine work in the Black Panther. So – I'm really excited to see. I, mean, I think they're, re, they're starting the book at number one again when he takes over. No doubt to try to get more people to buy it. But um, I'm really interested to see how his take on, on this character. So that was in the New York Times today. I have to say I'm terribly disappointed that they're renumbering everything yet again. Mm -hmm. 
I don't understand why they just they just went back to legacy numbering at Marvel. I was thrilled. Now that's going to get the axe already. Yeah, a lot of confusion. Well, Shane, you have to remember, and, and, and you know, this, I'm not saying this to be negative. It's just reality. This, this is a – that floppy format is flailing in its death throes basically. So they're going to try to do anything they can to, to get people to buy these comics. Oh, sure. So – and I have to say I went into my – the shot is a shop near me, and sometimes when I forget to order something on DCB service, I'll stop in there and you know pick something up. Um, so I, I bought two comics. It cost me over $8. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on, it's tough. <laughs> come on, it's no. <laughs> um, that's what I, I, that's what to say about that. If I can go back to a minute uh, to Gallifrey One, they also have uh, these little things called coffee clatches, mm-hmm. where they'll have a little room where maybe about ten to twelve people can go in and have a private uh, like discussion with a couple of people who work with Doctor Who or related to Doctor Who, and. Uh, so I signed up for one Saturday afternoon um, with David and Scott Tipton, the Tipton brothers, mm-hmm. and, J.K., and J.K. Woodward. Oh, I thought he had wow, yeah. fantastic. So now J.K. was supposed to bring along, I think, like some signed scripts, but he like forgot them. So, <laughs> oh, so J.K., oh, I'm JK. waiting for mine to come in the mail. <laughs> but, you know, they talked about – because, of course, they've worked on – with Doctor Who, uh, they've worked on the Tipton brothers, um, A Prisoner of Time, the yep. anniversary um, – uh, comic 12 issues that was kind of interesting but they also do the star trek sure. comics with jk and broken mirror mm-hmm. now shane have you heard since then the announcement that idw is going to have a five week a weekly five week star trek the next generation through the mirror series mm-hmm. in may oh i did oh, oh. fantastical that, so that should wow. be in the, that was that was that was announced the week after but i found out about that at the panel and jk brought the original artwork to the five covers, oh. and it's an interconnecting image. Now, normally, when they have these covers, they would probably like go left to right. Yeah. No, he has them going one like up and down. So he laid them on the table, one, two, three, four, five, going down. The original covers, they're huge. And I said, how did you do that? He actually had to redesign his studio to, to make these covers. Jeez. I'm like, so I was like, holy cow, that's gorgeous. I know you're a big fan of the Broken oh, Mirror yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and of course, Jakey's work in general. Oh, yeah. Uh, I loved, he he did a video tour of his studio one time. It's just spectacular. I haven't seen lately, just I haven't had time to really look either. Um, I love when he posts either a time-lapse video of his work or when he's interactive with everybody on Facebook. While he live streams, mm-hmm. so much fun to watch. And the, the main covers are online. You can you can see them oh, connected. I saw that. the original art for that. But the, here's the it says, because you demanded it. Following up the smash hit miniseries Mirror Broken, the yes. Mirror Universe Next Generation crew is looking for new worlds to conquer, and they're crossing over to the Prime Star Trek universe to find them. Also in each issue. Just how did the Mirror Universe crew find a way to ours? And what does Emperor Spock have to do with it? Backup, oh. backup stories. Every issue illustrated by Mirror Broken co-creator J.K. Woodward. Oh, can't nice. wait for that. Woo! So that's, I think it's got to be in the next preview something that's be. coming oh. out. I think it will, yes. That's fantastic. So, yeah, David D. on the forum has posted some links to upcoming stuff from the month of May from IDW and Boom Studios. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely one of them. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, let us bask in the radiance of a pants who has returned triumphant from the West Coast <laughs> as a bearer of glad tidings. 
<laughs> well done, sir. Thank you so much. Now, when I was out in California, happy at the same time in New York City mm-hmm. was the 2018 Toy Fair. Yep, I caught a couple things. I didn't get to see or or normally I stumble across things. There's plenty of articles I see. I didn't see that this year. I was going to ask you, and now you've let me down, Shane, because I haven't seen too much. But what I what I did see, I saw the Lego stuff. That's really all I. What saw. Lego stuff do you see? Um, the and and it was announced in the new Iron Man. Um, oh my God! What's from Age of Ultron? The Avengers Age of Ultron movie. The suit. <laughs> oh, the yeah. Hulkbuster. Yeah, but what did he call it in that? It, it had a name. Hulkbuster. Oh, uh, the, was it Veronica? Veronica. They yep. have they have a Lego of that coming out. Oh my goodness! Um, which looks really neat, and some stuff for their 60th anniversary, and some of the newer sets that I had already seen. They showed again different things. Mm-hmm. It, but that's the only thing I really saw. I didn't see a whole lot of coverage about anything. Okay. Well, I know that as we record this, uh, it's the last day of February. But starting in March 1st through like March 3rd, there are a slew of toys coming, <laughs> out, coming out for the Avengers um, Infinity movie. Okay. So I don't know. I'm going to have to like close my eyes. I'm walking <laughs> around the store because there will be spoil. I mean, I know we're getting in an Infinity, an Infinity Gauntlet. Oh yeah, I know I we're getting that. Figured in. that it's, it's probably foam, even probably. But there's there's Lego sets, yeah. there's action figures, there's pop figures, all kind of stuff. But the one thing I did see come out of Toy Fair, they're making Doomsday Clock figures from DC Collectibles. Really? Yes. Mm. Wow. Uh, three sets of two packs. Uh, the first one is going to be in the next previews of Doctor Manhattan and Ozymandias. Okay. Now, of course, they're going to do uh, sets for mine and marionette, but they're not going to be oh, together. Oh, of course. That's a rip. Huh. Yeah, yeah, they're having uh, the, the marionette with a comedian and the mime with uh, Rorschach. Ugh. That's how they get you. Because who would who, – I would probably buy – a two-pack? No, you would probably. Well, maybe. I, a two-pack? Yes, I would. But uh, if I have to buy two different two-packs two, yeah. to get them Yeah, Mime and Marionette, <laughs> so. That's. Never yeah. mind. I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's, that's good, but it's like, oh, not so good. Um, it just, while we're talking about toys here, Shane, you want to open yeah. up that blue bag over there? Yeah. Pants sent me a, a text the other day. What? Was that a week ago? No, it was like a. Monday? Sunday, something. Thursday. I don't, might, might, have, might have been Thursday. And Friday. Said, it was Friday. I don't know. Was I looking yeah, for... Yeah, I'm an enabler. Whenever I see things come in the store, <laughs> That's true. I, I just text, Shane, you got to get these toys. <laughs> and and these are Mega Constructs figures, which I knew were out there, but I, I, I saw them when they had the whole Star Trek series going on, mm-hmm. which I know that on the back of this, they show a Kirk and a Spock from um, Amok Time, I think it is, mm-hmm. and two He-Man figures. Um God, I can't even tell who it is, really. But these two are Fry and Bender from Futurama. <laughs> I thought, now that I've seen them, I remember seeing pictures of these. I think there's vehicles coming. I think I'll they're coming with a ship. Or keep watching your, Planet your phone Express for text, ship, Planet Shane. Express ship. Scooty Puff Jr.? Yeah, something. Um, with more figures to come with those. I thought I saw that. I'll have, I'm... Now that I have them, I'm going to go do a little bit more research. Okay, um, but they're they're tiny. They're only like yeah, like three that, inches, maybe not even that, yeah. maybe. But um, they're with the mega constructs, so you can kind of build them with uh, Lego like things, with mm-hmm. mega constructs, vehicles, and different things. They had when the Star Trek movies were coming back out, 
they had a whole slew of them back then. Different bridge sets, transporter set stuff. So um, that's pretty cool. They look really, really neat. <laughs> Bender comes with a, a can of robot oil and a money bag, and uh, Fry comes with... Slurm, uh, I think? Slurm and money, which I'm wondering if it's not that... The that, tricky dick fun bill? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't even see with my glasses on if that's what. It oh is. yeah, it's the three hundred dollar Nixon, <laughs> the tax rebate. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm happy I could uh, put you further in debt with your toy buying. I, I well, you know, <laughs> buy one get one half off. That's not a bad. Yeah, price. yeah, it was a pretty good deal. Uh, I actually have a couple of quick movie things. Um, I don't usually go out to the movies too often, but I'm going to go see this movie coming up this weekend. Uh, the, new, the new Black Widow. Oh, I'm sorry. The new Red Sparrow Red movie yeah. coming out. <laughs> right? I cannot figure out how they got that movie made and have not been sued or talked about in some fashion. Especially after Agent Carter when the yeah. whole Red Room thing was so, such God. a central part of that plot. I mean it looks spectacular. But I, I, I'm half wondering if you're not going to get to the theater, sit down to see it, and a big Marvel symbol is going to pop up. <laughs> and it's all a red herring up to that point. No, but I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to go. It looks really go good. See that come down this weekend, and uh, yeah, maybe go see a matinee on Tuesday when it's uh, cheaper. Well, I saw a wonderful interview on Colbert with Jennifer Lawrence. Where I she saw that too. Got, yeah. She basically got drunk. Yes, um, <laughs> it was hilarious. She she is. I mean, she's. A, I've always enjoyed her her acting. I think she's an outstanding actress. But she was so funny and and, and good humored in that interview. Um, she just strikes me as just someone who's probably just a hell of a lot of fun to hang out with. She um, is a great really fun talk interview. show guest. When I've yeah. seen her on yeah. Letterman in the past, yeah. and I only saw this one because somebody alerted me on Letterman News Group, hey, you should watch this, because otherwise I wouldn't have watched Colbert at all. Okay. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so yeah, looking forward to that. Now, the other movie news now, Chris, please hold your ooh-ah-ooh-ahs till the very end. Have you, right. s- have you seen the report that Brian K. Vaughn is writing a Silver Surfer movie for Fox? His arms just went up. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. Pants. Did I say the bearer of glad tidings? That's the bearer of glorious tidings. <laughs> I think the news. You, 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 just, you just want to like hug this guy, for Pete's sake. Man. Well, there was a small fee for that involved because usually I say like, "Don't touch me, don't touch me." But <laughs> I just saw that today. I'm like, I almost plotted. Wow. <laughs> like, oh my god. I mean, Brian K. Vaughn. Who's you know done other things? He did. He oh, wrote yeah. for Lost. Yeah, he did. So he's yep. uh, you know straight away from comics. Which I mean, speaking of comic, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I'm pointing at you there, Murd. Okay. But uh, yeah, Silver Surfer yeah. and Brian K. Vaughn. Wow. Take my money. <laughs> Take my money now. <laughs> under Marvel Universe or under Fox? I mean, not that it matters. I uh, you know that's a great question. I'm just curious. And again, it's above my pay grade with the whole legal thing and Fox and licensing there. and yada yada yada. But again, it's been announced. It could never happen. You never know. Until there's a until yeah. it's, until my ass in the theater sitting there watching it come yeah. on the screen, I'm gonna hold my breath. That's right. Motion picture. I, if or I, if I'm, go ahead, Murd. I'm sorry. No, it's fine, Chris. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say to kind of add on to that in terms of great writers getting their work on the screen. Uh, I don't know if any of, the, any of the rest of you read Greg Ruck and Michael Lark's Lazarus, um, but Ruck has been talking about in uh, the letters page that that may very well be coming to television. Oh, wow. I believe, um, Mr. Eberly, I did mention that to you some time ago on the air. Oh. Come on. Sorry there, Pants. I, I was just reacting to what I read. and do and do for you kids, and this is the thanks I get. He offered to hug you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. We'll Pants, I, I, I just... Roll to reach around and you got it. <laughs> I built you up to cult-like proportions there, honey. Come on. Cult-like proportions? You're crazy. <laughs> well, the, pa- the, 
the pants cult. I just Come got on. knocked over by pants's head. <laughs> what? <laughs> now let's see if we can continue the, continue the, the, the segueing into Brian K. Vaughan. Hello. Okay, and he gives it off to me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> since we're on the subject of Brian K. Vaughn, um, and also since uh, Pants was generous enough to allow me to borrow. Wait a minute. Uh, you, the... you sound like kind of surprise that was generous enough. No. <laughs> I didn't I mean to that. <laughs> put a note of surprise in my voice there. No, just it was supposed to be gratitude. I'm sorry. Oh, I, it's okay. I have a difficulty with emotional effort <laughs> sometimes. Murdered okay red, red private eye. Yes. Oh! This tumbled to it. Yes. That is absolutely oh. the case. Uh, Brian serendipitously discovered his copy of The Private Eye <laughs> at his house a little while ago, and he was like, oh, yes, Murd was talking about how he would like to read this recently. So he allowed me to borrow it before he departed for L.A. When, and when, when you open it, Hollow Notes don't sing, do they? Uh, no, 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 Private <laughs> Eyes are not watching you. Okay. They don't see your every move. Uh, but, yes, when you do open it, though, your your own eyes might bug out of your skull because just look <laughs> at this beautiful package. I mean, this was a digital first comic. Right? Yes. So it was uh, produced in the uh, longer than high uh, panel structure. Perhaps widescreen with app description? Uh, yeah, that, I was perhaps. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't yell at me. Don't yell at me. Uh, but you give me the look with your eyes. Inspired by DC's <laughs> Zuda project, though. They had admitted mm. as much. Um, but, yes, uh, the, the uh, finished... Uh, uh, print hardcover that they ultimately produced and that uh, Brian allowed me to borrow. It's a limited edition, too, complete with a uh, little uh, authentication card in the back. I didn't even know how it was in there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you have copy number 384 of 1000. Oh, Ooh, wow. look at me! Wow. I am looking at you. <laughs> Don't give me those looks with those eyes! Um, <laughs> yes, it's uh, like 7.5 inches by 12.5 inches, so you open it. And there are no double-page splashes or anything, but it's still... It, it, it's pretty impactful once you open it up. Yes, widescreen is, of course, the, the word for the for a format like this. Um, and the story, you know, Chris predicted long ago that this was uh, a perfect story for me to read, and Chris was, as usual, 100% accurate. It catered perfectly to my cultural pessimism, my own form <laughs> of curmudgeonliness, because I think Brian K. Vaughan, to some extent, shares it. Uh, he and uh, collaborator Marcos Martin uh, were setting out to tell a story about a future world uh, in which uh, the Internet no longer exists. You know, some great uh, disaster, uh, a, a netoclism, you might call it. He calls it the cloudburst involving the Internet, um, like revealed everyone's entire Internet-based history, all their deepest, darkest uh, secrets uh, to the rest of the world, lives were destroyed, families torn apart, and uh, American society was rocked to its core. And uh, as a result, uh, the United States became somewhat isolationist, and uh, the individual citizens who were left standing in the wake of all this uh, adopted uh, various outlandish disguises that they would use when they went out in public. Um, called nims, you know, as in pseudonyms or cryptonyms. And uh, in this world, uh, the, <laughs> the clever concept, uh, journalism, the distinction between journalism and law enforcement have, uh, has vanished. Uh, like the, the reporters are basically cops in the future world of 2076 when all this is going down. Uh, and uh, there, are all, there are still paparazzi in this world, and they are the private investigators, the people who go out on a limb to collect information illicitly and then uh, trade it uh, in a sort of black market fashion. And uh, the protagonist, the private eye of the title, is one such person. Um, and it's, it's just a sort of a seamy neo-noir story set in 2076 Los Angeles in this fascinating post-internet world uh, obsessed with its uh, new post-cataclysmic uh, concept of privacy. And it's... it's it's a straight-ahead uh, action and mystery story. 
You know, it, it's, it's quite fast-paced. Uh, it kept me in, engrossed from, from page one. Um, you get to know a little bit about uh, the main character, but in keeping with the theme of privacy, you uh, really don't get to know that much about him. Uh, you meet his grandfather, a very entertaining character. He's like 90 years old. He's got this uh, crusty old coot with Great uh, character. thick Great character. Uh, plastic frame glasses, piercings and sleeve tattoos, and a wardrobe of old Kings of Leon t-shirts. He's nearly 90 in 2076, but uh, he's uh, probably a teenager or younger in the, the, the present day. And he's uh, the one remaining bastion of the old uh, pro-internet uh, you know, millennial perspective. On the world, how he, he's always holding forth about how he he's proud of how much he shared publicly back in the old days, and uh, he, he regrets nothing. And he, he he's always cradling these old iPads and Blackberries he's got left over from the days when the internet still existed, and wondering what the heck happened. Why why can't I get any bars with this thing? <laughs> because the internet doesn't exist anymore, Grandpa. <laughs> So, yeah, he is, as Chris said, a very entertaining character, and it's just kind of fun to uh, to think of that point of view becoming one day thoroughly obsolete and uh, the world moving back in the direction of uh, phone booths and uh, uh, analog music and things like that. Wow. And so it, it's, it's the story of a uh, murder and uh, how that murder is tied into a conspiracy featuring what's basically a James Bond villain who's scheming to bring the Internet back. Um, so it, it's it's breakneck uh, paced storytelling. It's very suspenseful, and the artwork by Marcos Martin. Oh my oh, it's goodness! Amazing. Um, his, uh, his 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 wife, I think, that uh, provides uh, some of the coloring. Uh, she's also credited. Her name is um, yeah, Munza Vicente, and uh, just these beautiful widescreen uh, pages of his artwork. I mean, I'm really gaining new respect for Marcos Martin as uh, one of the best storytellers in contemporary comics. Amen. We throw around the word cinematic frequently, and uh, it, uh, we usually use that to mean like epic action uh, cinema, that, that kind of uh, movie, you know, widescreen, thrilling action storytelling, and there's certainly plenty of that in here. But uh, Marcos Martin also skews towards more like uh, art cinema, Cinematic storytelling, like the, the way he's he, he constructs his mise en scène and these oddly shaped. I'm sorry. Page, uh, mise en scène. Uh, the, the the way objects are framed within a panel, well, whether it's uh, the point of view of a camera in filmmaking or panels and gutters in comics. If I said it, it once, I said it a million times, dumb it down for pants. I <laughs> no, pants, sorry. For pants, murder's here to edify <laughs> for all. <laughs> oh, okay. So the way he arranges things within a panel, and the way he sometimes uses. Panels that, that are just like still life shots of certain as, – as, either to establish a scene or to convey an action without actually showing it happening. Uh, just, just the way he, he doesn't have to telegraph everything he's telling us in his artwork. It's, there's some subtlety in here, and, right. and that's highly commendable. He's, uh, like I said, he, I, I'm gaining new respect for him as uh, one of the, um, the masters of the medium here in the 21st century. Um, and, well, yeah, it's, it's, if I have one complaint about this, and it's uh, – a complimentary sort of complaint. It's that uh, I wish the story were not so focused on uh, the action of its own plot uh, to stop and uh, pick around a little bit more in this world that Vaughn and Martin have constructed. Um, you know, it's, I can't complain too loudly about that because I've taken, say, Jonathan Hickman to task for allowing that his ideas, you know, the themes he's trying to bring across, to bog down his storytelling. And now here we have the opposite situation where uh, Vaughn is focused on telling a good story without uh, too much... Uh, didactic navel-gazing. The, the, the ending is somewhat tragic, but at least it's, uh, it, it's left open-ended so that there are a couple of different ways that, if they so chose, Vaughn and Martin could come back and revisit this world and maybe tell a story uh, that's um, 
a little more leisurely paced so that they have a chance to uh, make a few more statements on the central theme here about the nature of uh, privacy in the early 21st century and uh, the, and uh, maybe explore further this world they've created in which uh, uh, these uh, castles in the air we've built uh, in the, the cloud – um, yeah, the internet cloud, that is, the cyber cloud, uh, come tumbling down and what happens afterwards. I'd, I'd really like to see uh, a little more thematic exploration. And hopefully uh, they will indeed uh, tell another private eye story and we'll get to see a little more of that. Murd, I'm glad that my uh, prediction was accurate I, I, and that you enjoyed it as much as you mm-hmm. did, my friend. My favorite quote, Chris, Wonderful. was, uh, I don't like having a machine in my house that can hear what I'm saying. <laughs> Well a Murdian quote, if there ever was one. Yep. Oh, speaking of Murdian quotes. <laughs> and it's time once again for our trivia contest, Muddle the Murd, where if you muddle the Murd, you could win a prize. Now, the last time we did this <laughs> was an epic epic uh, um, yoink, yoink. Mm. Um, so much so that I actually when I was playing it back the audio got distorted because I was yelling so loud with Razorapsos <laughs> anyway so if you happen to muddle the murd I'm not this, kidding felt the breeze from that one and yes in this episode you will still win it goes up for grabs is the page from Action Comics number 14 page 10 from the new 52 Action Comics of course <laughs> uh, drawn by uh-huh. drawn by Rags Morales but before we get into that, we got in another package today from our anonymous art donor. Oh. So we have some more art to add to the queue once we've ex- you know gone through our stack right now. I better start getting some more questions wrong then so no, we can no, no. <laughs> get these into some worthy hands. But he says, please accept the following items as prizes for your various contests or an otherwise benevolent purpose. I have one small favor to ask. Would you please read the lyrics of your theme song? There are several se- there are several sections of it that I have not been able to decipher, despite having heard it dozens of times. Well, first, I'm going to play in its entirety our theme song. was the EP version. That's all right. All right. <laughs> you got it on Wednesday, and you were psyched about it. Go and turn the volume up. These guys will talk about it. Everything the geeks love, from capes to laser beams. Opinions like the seasons on everything <laughs> you're reading. In comics, movies, games, toys, artists, cons! cons! There you go. 
comic geek speak, comic comic, oh, yeah, comic, yeah, comic yeah. geek speak, comic comic geek speak, comic comic geek. You know, you know, my <laughs> show. This, okay, so anyway, you, you go let's let's go now to the actual question. This comes to us from Lyle Coleman. <clears throat> question number one: DC pre nineteen seventy. All right, Brave and the Bold, number forty five, cover dated January of nineteen sixty three. Features a story about a baseball team with a very unique identifier that would probably make it difficult to play baseball. Fill in the blank of the story's title with that identifying trait from the cover of the book. Challenge of the blank baseball team. Hmm. Blind. Headless. Okay. Legless was my second guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question two, Indy, 1970 to 2000. Scud, the disposable assassin number six, introduced a group of six targets Scud was hired to eliminate. One of them was a head in hovering robotic jar. What famous golden age of Hollywood actress's head is in that floating jar? Hmm. Her name was misspelled, by the way. Hmm. Ah, well, a number of possibilities there. I'm going to say Betty Davis. No, the answer is Jane Mansfield, hmm. spelled J-A-N-E. As opposed to J-A-Y-N-E. Correct. Okay. All right. Some interesting stuff here. All right, so we're down to the last question. I'm holding my hand the comic book artwork. Okay, All question right. three. So Marvel. How will this involve heads? Marvel post-2000. In 2004, what Marvel on-again, off-again villain was decapitated for the second time in his illustrious career? The previous decapitation was in 1984, which was 22 years after his creation. Hmm. Thank you, Lyle, for all the hints. <laughs> all right, so let's see. 1984, you said. Was the first, first decapitation. First decapitation, 20 years, 22 years after his first appearance, which would have been 1962. Right. And then in 2004, this character was decapitated for the second time. This on-again, off-again villain. On-again, off-again. Hmm. Who's been decapitated twice. I think I'm going to be ashamed of myself when I... Yes, he's, he's just gesturing towards the artwork, which is very soon going to be yours, Lyle Coleman. <laughs> Uh, yeah, He's I think vanna-ing the artwork. It's going to take another yank, I think, for me to get this one. Uh, on again, off again. Apparently, that's not unheard of. <laughs> ah! All right, this. My first thought was Ultron, but that cannot be correct because he did not first appear in 1962. I am 100% certain of that. Uh, on again, off again, villain. Hmm. You can hear the wheels turning. Yes, it's you can, you'll smell the smoke soon. <laughs> uh, did he, he did he mention which comic it happened in? No. Hmm. All right. Well, but there are other things. Other things. Sixty-two. Uh, there are only so many possibilities. Nineteen sixty-two is very early in Marvel Universe history. Okay, what is Diablo? No, I'm sorry. The this answer, is not Jeopardy either. The answer is Loki. <sighs> that was 
one of the people I was thinking about. <laughs> wow. So the artwork is now going to lot. Now, he says here, this Marla Murd entry is less about muddling as it was about having fun trying to pick a theme to use <laughs> while creating my questions. Hence the extra clues, which is just as Manfield's name being commonly misspelled and Loki's creation dates. <laughs> Thanks again, guys, for all the fun, and keep on geeking on Lyle. Wow. Well, thank you for questions. quality submission there, Lyle. So I am forwarding, Outstanding. forwarding this to Adam here. Pants, I have to depart. May I make a quick uh, shout-out for a few things before I leave? You certainly may, sir. Okay, I wanted to mention, um, and Murr and I have talked about this, Astro City number 50, uh... One of the best comics I've read for off the stands in quite some time, and I, I fell away from Astro City for a while, not because it's, I, I didn't like it. I think it's an amazing book. It just kind of – I lost touch with it, um, and I know Busick is moving over to a trade format, which I think is just a foreshadowing of what's to come, I think, for a lot of, a lot of books down the road. But um, <clears throat> he returned to the classic character from the Nearness of You half issue from many years ago, and – I know Kurt Busiek isn't on the radar as much as he used to be. He is still, without question, one of the best writers in comics, and this issue confirms that. No one does the human interest side of, this, of a superhero story better than Kurt Busiek. You know, it's, a, it's about a, a support group of people whose lives were tragically affected by being caught up in battles between uh, superpowered beings in the world of Astro City. And I'm sure Murder will concur that this was so beautifully written, uh, moving. Uh, you know, m blending just sort of mundane aspects of life with you know the, the sort of almost PTSD experience that people are struggling with what they experienced. Um, I, I mean, a masterwork, and, and just shows again what, what the medium is capable of. Um, the other book I wanted to mention is Marvel Two and One. Uh, I so freaking miss the Fantastic Four, <laughs> and both in the, in the cinematic universe and in the comics. And it's been so... I've only read the first issue. I have, I have the two other two. I haven't read them yet. But to see Benjamin J. Grimm and Johnny Storm back together again, uh, under very sad circumstances, because, you know, Reed, Reed and Sue have vanished. Quick question, guys, because I forgot. Did they vanish at the end of Secret War? I don't remember what happened there. Uh, happened I'm not sure where they vanished. At the end of Secret Wars is, I think, when they sort of prescinded from the Marvel Universe. Um, yeah, okay. they, they and their children, they're just in some new dimension or other that rediscovered, and they're just... That's what I thought. All right, I have to look at it again, but, you know, it's all about Ben and, and Johnny dealing with the fallout of their family being gone and, and broken up, and the first issue was just... I mean, it's, uh, Chip Zdarsky, the writer, who was the artist of Sex Criminals, wonderful job at really capturing the personality of those characters, their history, they interact, and also wonderfully using Victor Von Doom, now casted his role as apparently a hero, um, trying to atone for his many sins... I highly recommend uh, the first issue, and I'm looking forward to reading uh, the next two, which I, I are on my stand. Brothers, I've paused. I have to go uh, pick up one of my kids, and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you all soon at our annual retreat. Yes, correct. <clears throat> look for an email about that uh, probably mm -hmm. the next day or so. All right. And, and uh, of course, I'll be uh, talking to you all again very soon as well. You got it, Chris. Good night. Brothers, I wish you all a fond farewell. Mm -hmm. Take care. Talk <laughs> to you farewell, Bye. sir. Good night. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, just a couple of other things. Unless you guys didn't. now, I was anything guys want to bring up on your own? I don't. We've been very busy with anything other than relaxing. Okay. We, we had to get a Carlene a new car. Hers was breaking quite often. Um, 
other things just kept getting in the way. So I haven't even read as much as I was doing really good at reading a few a night. And the last week, week and a half, I have not. So yeah, I've fallen way behind my reading as well. Yeah. So I, I, I was thrilled to get to see Black Panther in the last two weeks. That's, that's twice? my big news. No, less. no, I only saw it once. Oh, that's right. You, you uh, saw I, it, I've twice. Seen it twice. Yeah, once. I want to see it again, though. Yeah. Uh, well, I read The Private Eye, <laughs> and I've uh, been using some of my spare time to uh, make my own selections for nominations for the uh, Best of 2017 Awards. Uh, this past weekend, uh, my folks and I went out to one of our biggest uh, Christmas decoration buying appointments of the year. In fact, mm-hmm. it's the biggest. And um, it, it's from there that we buy a lot of our licensed uh, ornaments and uh, figurines and such, uh, including, you know, that's, uh, there's some Star Wars things. Like there's going to be a Princess Leia decorating R2-D2 figurine. Um, there's going to be a Tom Baker as the fourth Doctor ornament this year. Mm. Oh, nice. Um, as, as far as comics-related things, uh, Actually, I, I don't think there was anything new that we were able to buy. Uh, I think there's a new uh, Superman nutcracker with his uh, red trunks back in place. Ah! Just good. in time for his 80th anniversary. Excellent. <laughs> Uh, we also bought um, – let me know if I made the, the right decision in doing this, Brian. I was okay. thinking of you as I did. Uh, uh, we bought some Hatchimals ornaments. Uh, they're still pretty popular at, at the store, yes. Um, one of the bit more popular things right now are the LOL dolls. I don't know if they make any things for that. I've heard of them. Oh, my God. It's, I, 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 was get, I got them for, for Matt's um, daughter. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's – it's Google it. You'll see it. It's all, it's okay. all, all the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> but yeah, that that's you can't really go wrong with that right now. I think Hatchimals. Happy to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, the ones we got are all uh, bird Hatchimals as opposed to other species, and they're wearing little felt Santa hats as they <laughs> pop out of their eggs. <laughs> so I did that because I remember you saying they were one of the hottest toys of the past Christmas. They season. were. They were. Uh, anything else to jump over before we wrap it up? No, I don't think so. I'm looking forward to March. Going to. March is going to be a busy movie month. I think Ready Player One comes oh, out, or Wrinkle I've, in Time comes out. I finished reading the book. Oh, I think the movie looks spectacular, but I think the book will hands down be better. I, I have no doubt that Spielberg will do a fantastic job with it. I just don't think it'll be – I think they've, they've taken some liberties to make it a movie. No, don't they always? Um, and um, probably they won't be able to be quite as widely referential as the book was just because the rights are so – so many different rights to obtain. I think if anybody has a chance to get all of them in line to be allowed to use them, Spielberg would have a better chance than most other people. Very good point. If that's possible, but – yeah, I'm, I'm still excited to see it. Even Ben's excited to see it. He wanted to read the book now finally. I've been bugging him for two years to read the darn mm, book. And Whatever gets a book in his hands. Oh, you're not kidding. So I have to I have to dig that out tonight and give it to him, uh, my copy of it. Uh, and actually happening this weekend, um, I'm disappointed I'm not going out there. It's March 1st to the 4th uh, out in Seattle is the Emerald City Comic Con. Yes, it is. I know we talked about briefly. We wanted to go out there this year, Shane. Yes. But, I mean, uh, Adam, but we couldn't swing it. To... No, next year. No, no further excuses next year. I'm right, going to make my arrangements months in advance. Good. I, I think I'll, if you don't mind, I'll join you if I can invite myself along with right. you. There. The more the merrier. Because <laughs> uh, actually, at this weekend, our speaking of our friends Sue and Sean of Bennington, they are set up uh, in RS Alley at mm. uh, Table J12. I saw a post about them going in. Yep, and we'll talk about it more in our previews. But the news happened uh, was officially announced that their book is being canceled. Back yes. on the Birds of Prey. So I we'll, we'll get more into that um, later on. I maybe even have them give their thoughts on that at a future time. Yeah. That would be an excellent idea. Yes. I'll follow whatever they do next. 
But, I mean, just uh, just going out there, it's, uh, again, it's a very big convention. Four days now, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday. Some of the panels will be streamed live. Oh, thank God. Uh, through, I think, Sci-Fi and on YouTube. Okay. So I'm going to check that out, see what, because there's, again, a lot of great panels out there. Yeah. Creators and everything. So if you're out there, have a great time. Uh, actually, I'm going to C2E2, the other read show coming up in, in April. So I, I had to decide. And wow. I was suggesting California to go back to Seattle so quickly. It's like, well, that's a, a two-day Either way, flying out there on the ends, like I just couldn't. I mean, I, I could swing. You know, who the hell? What do I got going on? Pants. Do whatever I want. Obviously, I'm well aware of right? that. You, you're, you're, you're well aware of that. Pants is what he wants. Opposite end of the spectrum there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you to a con at some point. Sometime, Shane. yeah. And there's actually a. Oh, I'm, I'm going on again. There's a Doctor Who convention called Regeneration Who this weekend in Baltimore. Yeah. It's got Peter Capaldi there. Yeah. And William Russell, two people who I I, I want to meet. I and thought about but, trying uh, that, but geez, I, I don't can't. know if I can I swing that. That's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. You have too lot. much stuff going on. I can't. That's too expensive. All right. Yeah, Those kids are going to move out of the home eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it's not their fault. It's really not. I mean, the, the soccer games, I love going to watch them play. I wouldn't give that up for the world. And yet, Like you said, at some point, they're not going to do it anymore where I see it like this, so... I'll do it as long as I can. Um, but, yeah, there's just other crap going on that we have to take care of. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that will officially wrap it up for us here on our all-over-the-place comic talk. Uh, once again, this episode was brought to you by the Denver Independent Comic and Art Expo, otherwise known as DINK. Check their website out at dinkdenver.com, happening this April 14th and 15th. And check out the Dinky Awards as well if you're, you have a product you want to submit to them. Visit us at ComicGeekSpeak.com to send an email. The address is ComicGeekSpeak at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, the number is 267-702-6642. Stop by TheComicForums.VanillaForums.com and let us know what you think of this hodgepodge episode. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. I almost said that backwards. Thanks to everyone who contributes to the episode. Send stuff in. Thanks for the Doctor Who CDs. My God, I cannot wait to listen to them. <laughs> and keep sending in Muddle the Murds because I want to feel the breeze again one time. <laughs> and as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes one listener at a time. You got it on Wednesday, and it was like about going to the volume up. These guys will talk about it, everything that keeps love. Okay, so laser beam, the pain's like a sea. 